I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform, and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it, and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which, from personal experience, I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often, so stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Good morning and welcome back to Practical Stoicism. I'm your host, Tanner Campbell, and I've got a podcast suggestion for you. This isn't a paid sponsorship. This is a friend of mine, and he's been doing this podcast for a while. And if you're into travel-related history, I think you'll probably like this one. Why am I sharing this recommendation on my Stoicism podcast? Because the host is a friend of mine, like I said, and it's a nice thing to do when you can do it to support your friends with a bit of free marketing and exposure. I mean, why not? And plus, I enjoy the show personally. The name of the podcast is Vanishing Postcards, and my friend Evan does a really great job with it. It's all about the history, people, and places along America's famous Route 66 interstate highway. Evan describes it a bit better than I just did in his description of the show, which is, quote, Vanishing Postcards is a documentary travel log that invites listeners on a road trip exploring the hidden dives, traditions, and frequently threatened histories discovered by exiting the interstates. If that sounds interesting to you, search your podcast player for Vanishing Postcards and check it out. Today, we're going to dive into Meditation 26 from Book 4, but just before we do, there's a question at the end of this podcast submitted by a listener, and it is going to require that I talk about intellectual disabilities. I don't particularly enjoy what I'm going to have to say in answer to this question, and I want to let you know that you probably aren't going to either. And lastly, I want to make sure you understand that I don't have a full answer on this yet. This answer is a work in progress. I need you to be prepared to be potentially upset by it. But I also need you to understand that I am doing my best to answer this question as well as I can and do my best to ensure that that answer is as honestly in line with stoicism as it can be, right? I don't want to pull any punches even when the questions are difficult. So with that in mind, here is Meditation 26 from Book 4. Hast thou seen those things? Look also at these. Do not disturb thyself. Make thyself all simplicity. Does anyone do wrong? It is to themselves that they do wrong. Has anything happened to thee? Well, out of the universe, from the beginning, everything which happens has been apportioned and spun out to thee. In a word, thy life is short. Thou must turn to profit the present by the aid of reason and justice. Be sober in thy relaxation. In other words, you see those things over there? Yeah, who cares? Look at these things here instead. 
Pay attention to yourself instead. Mind your own business and don't disturb yourself by paying attention to the latest trend or the gossip machine or whatever it is you're looking off at over there. Maybe you're looking over there and judging what someone is doing. You think they're doing something wrong. Well, take solace. For that person over there only does wrong to themselves, to their virtue. You're not harmed by them. And if you're not harmed by them, why are you concerning yourself with what they're doing? And here I should say that what Marcus is getting at here is a kind of idle busybodiness. But if the person over there is being cruel to someone, perhaps they are beating someone severely or stealing from someone, in that case you should notice it, and you should be concerned and reason whether or not you can do anything about it, and if you can, reason that you should go and do whatever it is that you can do about it. This meditation isn't asking us to ignore the cruel treatment of others, it's asking us to stop focusing on others and start focusing on ourselves. While you're focusing on yourself, has anything happened to you? Maybe something you view as a wrongdoing or an unholy trespass? Okay, well, wrong things happen to everyone in an indiscriminate manner. They're happening all the time, everywhere, to everyone. And the universe isn't punishing you, or in most cases, giving you anything that it isn't giving in kind to everyone else. Someone called you a dirty name? Okay, well, zoom out. How many people do you imagine that happens to every day? A lot? Okay, great. You're not alone. But also, can you control what people call you? No. If virtue is the only good, can mean names hurt you? No. Indeed, mean names only hurt the person saying them because it degrades their character. And that is going to bring me to the listener question I mentioned at the outset. I don't have a recording for this question, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Remember, also, if you would like to submit questions to this podcast, do not email me. I am now getting something like 20 emails a day, and I cannot keep up. I cannot answer them all, which makes me not want to answer any of them because it wouldn't be fair to answer some and not the others. So that is not how I'm responding to questions anymore. I will not answer you if you email me. It's nothing personal. It's just, as I've described, it's too much. Instead, leave a message at podinbox.com forward slash stoicism. There's a link in the show notes for that. This way, answering your question becomes part of my production process. And that's what I really need if I'm going to keep answering questions. So podinbox.com forward slash stoicism. If you sent me an email and I haven't replied, this is why. So check that link out in the show notes and send your questions there. So this question comes from a listener by the name of Voy, V-O-Y, and I'm going to paraphrase what they asked. The Stoics say that virtue is the only good, and if nothing can hurt our virtue, nothing can hurt us. But what if someone hits us really hard in the head, and they inflict brain damage on us? The way we think would change, and maybe we couldn't think well anymore. So wouldn't that be bad? This is a really good question. It's also one that is going to lead us into a necessary conversation about the mentally disabled and how they relate to Stoicism or how Stoicism relates to them, which could get really sticky really quickly. So before I answer, again, nothing I'm about to say is intended to offend, and I'm going to try to deliver it so that it doesn't, but I might louse that up, and I hope you'll forgive me for it. I'm trying to answer this according to Stoicism. So first to the question. If a person hits us in the head and damages our mental faculties so severely that we simply cannot function the way we once did, and we become more like an individual with an intellectual disability, has the person who hit us harmed us? 
You should probably be sitting down for this answer, but the answer is no. Okay, but how? If they've taken away our ability to be virtuous because we can no longer intellectually function at what might be thought of as the normative human level, how have they not hurt us if virtue is the only good? Because they haven't hurt our virtue, even if they've robbed us from the ability to have it. The Stoics would have looked at the past, pre-injury version of us and said perhaps, they were a person of virtue, they were on the path. And then at the present version of us, intellectually damaged by this hit to the head, and said, they are no longer capable of being virtuous. But they would have also said, they are not unvirtuous due to any fault of their own, and we need to care about them far more now than we did before. They need our help. The assailant wouldn't have damaged our virtue, but they would have nullified our ability to continue to develop our characters and thereby obtain virtue. The assailant also would have very much damaged their own virtue, with the caveat that hitting us was intentional. If they hit us accidentally, like maybe they dropped an air conditioning out of a window while they were trying to install it and hit somebody down below on the head and that inflicted this damage, well, they haven't damaged their virtue because they didn't mean to do it, but the assumption here is that they meant to do it. This raises a question about the intellectually disabled. Can someone who is intellectually disabled possess the only thing worth having, according to the Stoics? Virtue. This is not an answer I take any joy in giving, but it would seem no. It would be the opinion, based on what I've read, it would be the opinion of the ancient Stoics that a person suffering from an intellectual disability would be unable to do the intellectual work necessary to develop a virtuous character. This is not an easy thing to say, and it's probably not an easy thing for you to hear. But the Stoics did not ostracize people like who I've described above. Quite the opposite, in fact. These individuals deserve perhaps more kindness, more caring, more thoughtfulness than any other human being because their condition is the very worst of conditions. Worse possibly than being vicious, although not literally the Stoics wouldn't have said that, but I would think that. Because they are completely incapable of achieving eudaimonia or developing a virtuous character. To the Stoics, this would have ranked incredibly high on the list of dispreferred indifference. It may have even topped it. To lose one's faculties and go on living is incredibly dispreferred. The Stoics would have thought of the inability to intellectually function at a normative human level to be an absolutely awful thing. They would have been moved through sympathy, to care more about these sorts of individuals than they would anyone else. So the Stoics would have cared about people who, through whatever means, became intellectually incapacitated. They cared about them, but they did say, or at least it seems they said, they were incapable of developing virtue because they didn't have those intellectual faculties or healthfulness of mind. Now here I want to share an excerpt from a paper by a guy named Mark Ahonen entitled Ancient Philosophers on Mental Illness. I'm going to include a link to the full paper in the show notes. It's actually public, which is rare for academic papers, so it's good that it's public. You're going to get to read the whole thing if you want. Here's what Mark says. Yet some Stoics apparently believed that the sage would not succumb to mental illness, come what may. Diogenes Laertes notes that there were differing opinions on this. Chrysippus says that virtue can be lost, while Cleanthes says that it cannot. Chrysippus says that it can be lost as a consequence of drunkenness or melancholy, where Cleanthes says that the firm apprehensions prevent its being lost. 
What is at stake here is the invulnerability of the sage's soul. Chrysippus, the founding father of mainstream Stoicism, asserted that the sage's soul was by no means invulnerable. If it was affected by drunkenness, a bout of melancholy, or a dose of powerful drugs, it lost its hard-gained virtue, that is, its state of epistemic and moral perfection, and was rendered into a kind of subhuman condition that was neither virtue nor vice. But Cleanthes, an older contemporary of Chrysippus and more austere ethical thinker, believed that virtue would also entail extraordinary physical stability of the soul to protect against external influences of, for example, black bile, and I'll break here and say black bile is how the ancients referred to dark humor, dark comedy. For after all, the Stoics also believed that a virtuous person's soul could outlive the body, remaining in the world as spirit until the next conflagration destroyed everything and a new cosmic cycle began. Becoming a sage was perhaps not a true option for the adherents of the Stoic school, but at least they could be inspired by the idea that it might be possible for the soul to rise above the normal human condition, that is, the susceptibility to the haphazard processes of illness and decay. Now, faced with these two options, I personally am inclined to back Chrysippus for the sole reason that the position of Cleanthes seems completely untenable. I mean, could you imagine telling someone with an intellectual disability that the only reason they were susceptible to that disability in the first place was because they didn't have a strong enough soul to not be susceptible to it? That sounds insane. That's absolutely ludicrous to me and probably to anyone else listening. Chrysippus, on the other hand, recognizes what feels more realistic, that one cannot be virtuous when one is drunk or drugged or experiencing a depressive episode, that a sage isn't suddenly laminated, gold-plated, and vice-proof no matter what. It feels like Cleanthes is trying to deify the idea of the Stoic sage while Chrysippus is trying to keep people's heads out of the clouds and avoid a sort of hero worship of Stoics or Stoic sages. But if we do side with Chrysippus, it seems we're going to need to agree that someone who is depressed or intellectually disabled is non-normative from a human perspective and non-normative in the less-than direction. And that is not a comfortable thing to talk about. Still, according to Stoicism, the fact remains, as far as I understand it. You need your sound and reasoning mind to achieve a virtuous character. And you know what? This impacts me, right? Because if you remember, I'm ADHD. I'm non-normative. And maybe it impacts you too. So here's what I would like to do. I want all of you to put a pin in this. And I'm going to do the same because I am not necessarily satisfied with what answers I can provide with the knowledge I have at the moment of Stoicism. I am not a sage, all of you listening. I think I've said that a few times. I just read a lot and have been studying and I'm getting tutored and I'm really taking this seriously, but I don't have all the answers. So I want to think more about this and I want to revisit it in a few months when I feel I will better understand how the Stoics felt about this issue and will have more to say on it. Until then, Cue the theme music. 
Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode of Practical Stoicism. I appreciate you being here. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, just go ahead and hit follow or subscribe in whatever app you're currently using to listen. That way you'll find out every time a new episode drops, which is every day. And if you've got a minute and you're enjoying the show, consider leaving it a review wherever you can. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Practical Stoicism, and until next time, take care. Take care.